0: We start with BC's new vaccine passport uh, set to roll out here in just a few days, September 13th. So we're less than two weeks now uh, from the rollout of the BC vaccine card. Proof of vaccination required to go into a restaurant, bar, pub, uh, casino, movie theater. Uh, We all know the list now. We're getting very familiar with it. Some businesses worried about this impact of this card. Uh, are we ready for this? Let's check in with Dan Rogers now. Dan is the executive director of the Kelowna Chamber of Commerce. I'm pleased to welcome him. Dan, thank you for coming on.
1: My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me.
0: Dan, I know you've done a survey of your people there in Kelowna. What are you hearing from local businesses about this uh, vaccine passport is looming here now?
1: Well, Mike, we're the largest uh, business organization in the Okanagan. Uh, You know, it's a growing region. We've got about 1,000 members. And some weeks ago, even before the province announced their plans, uh, we had uh, certainly observed what was going on across the country. We wanted to get a sense of where our business members were at on this issue, so we went to them with a survey. About a quarter of our members uh, took part in it, so uh, it was a good response uh, from our members And the majority said they were in favor, but uh, in a large part, everyone had questions. How is this going to work? How is it going to be implemented? Who is responsible for enforcement? And does the government have my back if this uh, impacts my ability to continue operations?
0: Okay. Those are really good questions, and there are still a lot of unanswered questions here as we get closer to the implementation date. So, for example, how will this work? and, And, you know... It's supposed to be a smartphone QR code, right? Like, I like I wonder if businesses have the ability to scan these QR codes. Well,
1: and one of the things that we're hearing across uh, from our members is there's a lot of unknown here, and that's why we yeah. requested the province and will continue to make the case that they slow down here. Uh, everyone has this threat of September 13th, uh, but there yeah. is no website available. There is no information to consumers uh, the steps to get the, this information, it won't be uh, easy. Uh, certainly, it, it can be done. So you can get this information on your smartphone. And then uh, there's got to be training for staff. Who's doing the enforcement? It's a two-step. People will be required to show their ID uh, with the yeah. uh, verification of they are saying who they are. And then they will need to show uh, whether it's a QR code, or whether it's a green or some sort of visual image. We still don't know what it will be. Yeah. Um, and then frontline staff will have to be aware of what they, what they need to do. And so there's a lot of concern across the province, particularly with small businesses that are having a tough time even keeping their doors open because of the significant labor challenges uh, and uh, uh, financial challenges they're facing.
0: Okay, speaking to Dan Rogers, Executive Director of Kelowna Chamber of Commerce, are you calling on the government to delay the rollout of this now?
1: Well, what we're saying is make sure that you communicate effectively with uh, consumers and with businesses. Uh, you know Who's going to have their back uh, when it comes down to enforcement? There's a cost related to that. Um, if businesses can't operate, what assistance are you going to give them? Um, and also be a little more sympathetic to some of the smaller businesses. And we heard stories uh, across our chamber network, and we're almost in every corner of this province that, uh, you know, and if you put this into a restaurant in Vancouver, you might not have a customer that knows the staff, but in many small communities, it might be your cousin or your uncle or aunt or relative or next door neighbor that's walking in, and you're now going to tell them, sorry, you can't come in, because you don't have the proper ID. Um, So, There's a lot of angst out there, and the way to solve that is take time. Uh, Don't be uh, fixated on the September 13th uh, deadline, particularly for small businesses that need to adjust here. Um, And then when people are fully uh, aware of how this is going to be implemented and know that there is support there for them, it will make that transition to the new system a whole lot easier.
0: Okay, Dan, let me play a comment here from the health minister on the show earlier this week. I, I put these points to him, uh, said that there are a lot of businesses around the province, chambers of commerce like your own, asking at least for a delay in the implementation date of the vaccine card. And I asked him, will this thing come in on schedule or not on September 13th? Uh, I want to play what he said to me and then get your thoughts. Here's Adrian Dix. On schedule, that, right. that it's going to apply everyone in the province
2: that 84.2
0: percent of people as of yesterday
2: it's higher today are vaccinated in bc and this is a really great chance to get vaccinated and the good news is that we saw a very large increase in first dose vaccination last week i think more than doubled on the previous week
0: okay so he said that right at the start there he said it is coming in on schedule that this will be required on september 13th just what a week and a half from now what do you think of that what do you say to that
1: well, I guess I would ask the, yourself, Mike, or your listeners: Do you have your QR code yet?
0: Well, no. I mean, the government is saying that there will be a secure website. where you be able to? You'll be able to go online and get the QR code.
1: Right, right. And yeah. I'm assuming that uh, will be an easy thing to do uh, because yeah. you'll have to prove you who you are, right? Because right. it's not just get a download of your favorite app uh, in order to access this health information you're going to have to have uh, proof that you are who you say you are before they actually even send you the health information. Right. So it's going to be a two-step process. It's not going to be easy to do. And the website and all that information hasn't yet been uh, you know, made publicly available. So right. that's just adding to the tension that's out there and, and the angst that we're hearing across the province. Uh, I think the vast majority of consumers like this, if it means sure. they can go to a hockey game, uh, and major concerts, but the scope is a lot bigger um, and broader than I think even the business associations, uh, including the BC Chamber, uh, envisioned when we first uh, talked about this concept. As yeah. a path to getting back to normal, business levels, uh, businesses are supportive, but they uh, want to ensure the government's uh, got their back and you know, they, they're not going to be held uh, accountable if they're challenged on the 13th uh, to enforce this.
0: Okay. Do you think there's like any kind of a breakdown in communication between some of the large umbrella uh, business organizations in the province that are supporting this and calling for it, and some of the smaller on the ground organizations like your own that well, are that are saying, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I think Mike it reinforces a couple of things. I don't think there's that much difference. Uh, I think uh, those business organizations uh, that were in favor of this envisioned, as many of us did that this would apply to major events, major concerts, where they have security in place already, where implementing this would be easier, where consumers would go, geez, do I have a chance to listen to Elton John or go to a connect team? Sure, I don't mind putting this out. If this means a bigger capacity, a capacity crowd, or even closer to it uh, as a path to business uh, normality, I think uh, businesses are supportive of that. Uh, The challenge is when you do this province-wide, whether it's in, you know, uh, Dawson Creek or in Fernie or in Terrace or some of the smaller communities. um, They're challenged with resources, even on manpower, particularly in these restaurants. So hopefully the government will be patient for them to adjust.
0: Okay, Dan, we're watching it closely. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.
3: And next thing I know, there is this coyote behind me biting my leg. And uh, sure enough, Uh, it bites deep enough that I fell and I'm just screaming and the coyote is still there not scared of me and I kept screaming because I couldn't get back up um, and the rest is history
0: okay the rest is history there that was a guest on the show last week a young woman who was severely attacked and injured by a coyote in stanley park and the rest is history you heard her say there after the attack and the, the history there is is not a pretty one she suffered a brutal injuries three severed tendons uh, detached and torn muscles in her leg she's an avid jogger who jogged through the park uh, for many many years without incident now her doctor says she may never run again this is an incident an attack on this particular victim that has left her physically and emotionally damaged after this attack by a coyote in Stanley Park. And is just one of many. We got three more attacks, coyote attacks in the park on the weekend. Uh, the official count, more than 40 attacks in the park this year by coyotes. I actually think that's a lowball number. Uh, I believe there have been more than 40 attacks because some of these attacks have gone unreported. The latest measures maybe you could say half measures from the city to deal with this now is shutting the park down for 12 hours a day so the park will be closed between 7 p.m and 7 a.m i'm not sure that is going to work let's discuss now with my guest bernie steininger bernie is a dedicated trail walker at stanley park and i'm pleased to welcome him to the show bernie thank you for coming on today no problem mike hey bernie how old are you I am 75. Okay, 75. That's an awesome age. And I understand that you walk frequently in the park. Is that right? How often are you out there? Every day, Mike. Every day. Okay. Yeah. What, what yeah. time do you go in?
3: Well, I usually go in early afternoon okay. for a couple of hours.
0: Every, every day. Good for you. That's awesome. Have you seen coyotes in the park during your walks?
3: Well, yes, I have. And uh, it started last September, Mike, uh, almost a year ago, uh, September 8th. Um, last year uh, I was turning a corner past the hollow tree and a blind corner and I came face to face with a coyote, like, like three feet from me. Wow. Um, I, uh, I, was, I was shocked because I've done a lot of camping and I've been around coyotes all my life, but never from three feet away, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, I was frozen uh, finally, after about 15 seconds, I decided to move slowly to the other side of the trail to give the coyote room to walk uh, uh, in his direction. Uh, instead, the coyote turned to come behind me. And uh, that is when I screamed blue murder because I, uh, I thought the coyote was coming to bite me. And this was before there had been any bite in Stanley Park. Wow. Uh, I phoned the conservation um, office at that time, and I said uh, something very, very strange just happened. I had a very strange encounter with a coyote, um, and I have never had an encounter like this in Stanley Park before. Um, usually, prior to that, you see a coyote maybe from mm. from 50 feet, 60 feet, 100 feet away, and the coyote's gone. The coyote's right. wild. Yeah. Yeah, but so, these,
0: ones, these ones are more, how would you describe it? Like more aggressive or more fearless?
3: Well, well, Mike, here's the deal. I've, I've seen, since that first one, I've seen 16 to 20 over the past year. They yeah. have no fear of humans anymore. Right. No fear of humans. So, so uh, they will stand their ground. They will look at you. Uh, um, no fear. And once they have no fear of people, um, all the data suggests that they become, their behavior becomes unpredictable. Um, aggressive and dangerous and here we are with with close to 50 bites
0: right and you continue to walk in the park despite that right are you why have you not altered your your walks you're not afraid well, of them
3: well well no i mean I, I i wish i could say that you know i had no concern because i do uh, uh, i go in there with my uh very heavy duty walking stick Um, I've got, I've got bear spray, which I, I happened to check with the, uh, with the Vancouver city police in the trails. Uh, she said, uh, she said it would be fine in the trails. Um, and I take bear spray. I take a whistle, um, and I take a coyote shaker, a tin with coins in so that I can, uh, uh, I can make myself known. I can scare. Um, but, but to give you an idea, after I purchased the whistle, the, the first, coyote that stepped out in front of me near beaver lake i thought okay baby uh, you're getting 110 decibels uh, <laughs> you know it, it's supposed to scare them okay uh, yeah. i blew the whistle as loud as i could the coyote didn't move oh. it looked its head up at me as if to say you know that is pathetic that that <laughs> you know you, you've got to do better than that uh So, um, no, it's clear. Um, Now, a couple of the incidents have been extremely aggressive, and uh, uh, where the coyote has come after me, basically.
0: Yeah, (laughs) okay, blowing that whistle, maybe for the coyote, it's like ringing the dinner bell. It's like, you know, bring it on. This coyote's not intimidated at all.
3: Well, I mean, it's clearly the case. Something major has happened. Um, this year and you know whether it's whether it's people feeding i don't believe the behavior can all be explained by people feeding because you can't tell me that some misguided people haven't been feeding the coyotes in the past years Um, but let's assume that that people have contributed to it the the point is that once this behavior is is set in stone with the coyotes it doesn't stop yeah. The coyotes just don't have a meeting and decide to back off and stop biting and to stop being aggressive. Uh, they don't go back to being regular coyotes. Uh, right. uh, the, behavior, the behavior has to be dealt with unless we just say, uh, well, everybody's going to stay out of the park. Uh, yeah. And that, that's, uh, I was in the park the other day. Uh, there was, I, I saw two people after walking two hours. It was like a ghost town, Mike. I've never seen it like that.
4: Mm.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, we have had an official direction from the BC conservation officer service. Their advice to the public is stay out of the park, which I, I don't think is adequate. This park is the crown jewel and beloved uh, iconic part of Vancouver. And, and to tell people to stay out of the park, I think is just basically surrendering to the coyote, but it's coyotes. But for a guy like you, Bernie, who's going, who's walking in the park every day, it sounds like you, you know, you're girding yourself for battle every day when you walk in there.
3: Well, um, you know, I have to admit that it's not as relaxing as it used to be, uh, <laughs> Mike. Uh, yeah. I, I, for example, two weeks ago, uh, I was walking on bridle path and the bush right beside me, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking very, very close, I hear a major rustling. And so before I had a chance to grab my whistle or the coyote shaker, I mean, my first reaction was to scream because, I mean, I thought, I thought this coyote was coming out right at me so i screamed blue murder and uh by the time i reached for my bed spray uh for uh for the um uh for the bear spray i looked into the bush and i sure enough i saw the rump and the tail of the coyote he he had turned around and Hmm. was going uh in the opposite direction not too quickly um now if i may i'd just like to make one more comment Mike.
0: sure yeah
3: okay um the, on August the 11th, I believe, the child was attacked near Prospect Point. Yeah. Um, now, on August the 14th, I was um, hiking up near Prospect Point in a trail, and I was approached by an animal control officer on a bike. And uh, he indicated to me that uh, the trail was closed and asked me to leave, and he said traps were being laid by the conservation folks. Yeah. And I said, well, I thought that may be the case because of the attack of a child. And um, the, I've gotten no information. Conservation has provided no information about uh, were any animals taken out. It appears that no animals were taken out.
0: Well, there were. They, they say official count is they have taken out six coyotes right. from the park, but clearly that has not stopped the attacks. Bernie, I want to thank you for coming on and and sharing your thoughts on it today. I think it's awesome. You're walking in the park every day, and I hope you stay safe. and Yeah, be careful out there, man. Thanks a lot for coming on today. Hey, Hey, well, thanks for listening,
3: Mike. It's appreciated.
0: All right. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about uh, vaccination status uh, for students and staff at BC's largest universities. Big announcement here from some of the major universities in our province this week, including UBC, SFU. The University of Victoria, Thompson Rivers University and Emily Carr University all announcing this week that they will ask uh, students, staff and campus visitors to declare their vaccination status. People who are unvaccinated or don't wish to declare would have to undergo rapid testing for COVID-19 to show they are negative. This falls short of the demands of some, including some of the faculty associations and student unions who wanted mandatory vaccination on campus, period. Uh, That will not happen. Instead, there will be a disclosure requirement. If you are not vaccinated, you have to be tested. Have a listen to
4: this. This is UBC President Santa Ono. Rapid antigen testing will also be implemented to screen those individuals who have not been vaccinated or are uncomfortable being vaccinated.
0: Okay, let's discuss now with my guest, uh, Professor Amir Ataran. He's a professor of law at the University of Ottawa. He's a UBC grad. Uh, Not too impressed with this uh, announcement. I'm pleased to welcome him back to the show. Amir, thank you for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me around again.
0: Okay, what do you think of this? I think
2: it's shocking. I think it's scientifically backwards, and I think it puts UBC in the company of some of the worst universities in the world. Uh, I'm not mincing words here. The reason I say that is all the best universities in the world, the ones you know, Berkeley, Caltech, MIT, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, I could go on and on. They're all making vaccinations mandatory. UBC isn't. And, and so they can't claim their place among the best. They, they go right to the back of the pack. And for an institution that has science departments and claims to be doing good scientific research, I don't think that holds up any longer. I think that's, that's unfortunately maybe the past for UBC. It's not the present.
0: What about some of the other major universities on our side of the border here in Canada, like notably in Ontario, several universities have brought in mandatory vaccination, correct?
2: That's right. My own university, University of Ottawa, we were the first university in Canada to bring in mandatory vaccination. Uh, We have to prove that we are vaccinated. It's not good enough just to say so in order to be on campus.
0: Yeah, let me play another clip here for you, Amir, and get your thoughts. So this is the UBC president, Santa Ono, here now making the point that many students are already
4: vaccinated. Let's have a listen here. A recent survey of all registered UBC Vancouver students shows that 92% of the responding students are partially or fully vaccinated, and that 83% are already fully vaccinated, with the majority of the remainder intending to be vaccinated before the start of classes.
0: Okay, so we saw faculty at UBC, the student union there, calling for mandatory vaccination. This obviously comes up short of that. So I, I guess he's trying to reassure uh, the students and staff at the university campus that, look, they've got a very high vaccination rate already. Should that be a reassuring message?
2: Absolutely not. I don't believe those numbers. And here's why. Two reasons. First of all, as he mentioned, the numbers are for the people who chose to answer the question about vaccination. Those who aren't vaccinated or don't wish to be vaccinated are extremely unlikely to volunteer to answer questions about this subject. So you've got a bias in the way you've conducted this research. And that goes to my point of UBC maybe once having been a good research university, but Definitely not any longer with that kind, of, uh, that kind of approach to data. And then the second reason. It's quite clear that you need to be well above 90% vaccination coverage before life can get back to normal in this country. And it's also mm-hmm. clear that university age folks, young adults, are the group in which vaccination is the furthest behind. They're they're the age group that has the least vaccination, and that's exactly who you get on university campuses. Now, Santa Ono is an immunologist. He has that in common with me. I cannot believe he is saying these words. I cannot believe he's refusing to do this. It is disloyal to his field. It is disloyal to what he studied and trained in. It's very disappointing.
0: He's following up, it appears, on the recommendations of Dr. Bonnie Henry, our provincial health officer here, who had expressed concerns about mandatory vaccination requirements that would create barriers for people accessing essential public services, and she would include higher education in that category. So she did not want to put up barriers for people getting a college or university education. She also argues that there will be proof of vaccination required in, in several instances on, on campus, including living in student housing on campus. You would have to have re- mandatory vaccination for that. Also, like attending a, like a student pub or, or, a, or a basketball game on campus or something, you would have to show your, ma- your your vaccine passport for that. But she said attending a class, a lecture in a lecture hall is low risk for transmission of the virus. Your thoughts?
2: I think she's out to lunch. I think she's lost the plot. I mean, right now, B.C. has one of its third highest COVID rate in Canada. Hmm. It's doubly as bad as Quebec, triply as bad as Ontario. Something that Bonnie Henry is doing or thinking is not working. That's clear. And she's blowing hot and cold from what you've just told me. Well, we'll require vaccination if you want to go to a sports game. Right. UBC is even, by the way, requiring uh, vaccination if you want to go to a music gig on campus. Yeah. But if you're going to sit in a packed lecture hall, shoulder to shoulder with other people, so what?
0: How yeah, no, make the, any sense? the students on campus have have made a very similar point saying that effective on September 13th here in British Columbia, you will have to show proof of vaccination to go into a movie theater, but you will not have to show proof of vaccination to go into a lecture theater in on a university campus. Let me play another clip here for you for your thoughts. Santa Ono, the UBC president here uh, talking about the mask mandate on campus. So mandatory masking on campus when classes return in the fall, and then we'll get your thoughts here. Santa Ono.
4: I would like to thank the provincial government and the provincial health officer for issuing a new public health order mandating the wearing of non-medical masks in public indoor settings, and for investing in the provincial proof of vaccination program, which includes a vaccine certification component. The order requiring non-medical masks is now in effect for all indoor public areas on both UBC campuses.
0: Okay, your thoughts on the mask mandate?
4: Well, that's great. I mean, that's that's one step. Now
2: go the rest of the way.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I mean, the, the way that Santa Ono, in his foolishness, has left it is you'll need a mask, you won't need a vaccine. That's kind of like saying you need to wear pants but not a shirt. It just sure. doesn't make sense. If you want to be fully clothed, are fully protected against COVID, you need the mask and the vaccine. You need the pants and the shirt, not either or. Okay. Now, I repeat, he knows this. He's an immunologist. And he is betraying the knowledge of his field. He is turning his back on science to say what he's saying. And it to me is a tremendous disappointment.
0: You obviously have very strong feelings on, on the issue. I know you were a UBC grad yourself, and I saw that you feel so strongly about this that y- you said you would even denounce your degree from the school over this. I mean, is that just, are you serious about that? Like, that's so, how that's so strongly you feel about it?
2: Absolutely. I, I am a graduate of some very good universities. I've had that privilege. I've graduated from Berkeley. I've graduated from Oxford. I've graduated from Caltech. I taught at Harvard. I taught at Yale. These are pretty top places. And then I've got this degree from UBC. And I'm ashamed of it right now because UBC won't require vaccination. And and this is So disturbing that I have asked UBC if there's a way I can officially renounce the diploma. I don't actually want it. They haven't answered me on that, by the way. But when I got a science education at universities, I expected my universities to uphold science, to believe in science, to try and use it for the public good. And I certainly expected, as a university professor today that universities would protect their young and to see ubc not doing this my god it's it's just the biggest disappointment of my academic life it really is
0: thank you for coming on today i know you never hold back on your opinions i respect that thank you for being on the program today
2: thank you so much for having me and i hope this changes